Welcome. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and this is the Contreras Report and Hispanic View of the USA. Subject number one that we're going to discuss today is about a murder on an army base. It's not a movie. The Supreme Court says no to robocalls on cell phones. President Trump and justice, and President Trump's support of Confederate flags of the Confederacy and apparently what the Confederacy stood for. We're going to discuss renaming army bases from the names of Confederate generals who happened to be traitors to the United States. How about a football player named Kaepernick and what he's up to lately? National Defense Republicans part ways with President Trump. I'm one. So when I part ways, that's a defense Republican parting ways with Trump. Only I'm not alone. How about Vladimir Putin getting the Russians to okay his being president for another 16 years. And the United States Navy, the great United States Navy that used to take Marines everywhere all over the world to do the fighting while they stood by and watched. The U.S. Navy is causing the Chinese communists to pull their hair out collectively pull their hair out because they are losing face to all their neighbors around the South China Sea. And lastly, for you former United States Marines and present United States Marines, there's a new Marine Corps on the horizon. It's being planned right now. If you haven't heard about it, stand by. We'll discuss it in great detail. First, let's talk about murder on an army base. That's not really unusual. Uh, over the years, that's happened a lot because there's a lot of people involved. A suspect soldier, a specialist named Aaron David Robinson. Now, I don't know what the rank of specialist is in the army. It's either E3 or E4. Aaron David Robinson committed suicide because he was suspected of killing a young Hispanic soldier named Vanessa Guillen. Her body has been found and identified. He was suspect, and so what did he do? He committed suicide. Well, that answers the question. His reported girlfriend has been arrested because she allegedly helped him. Vanessa was killed with a hammer, apparently, in an armory at the base where they're stationed. No charges have been filed yet, but Congressman Vicente Gonzalez, a Democrat of Texas, says it's unacceptable that a young soldier simply disappears from a military base and is unaccounted for for this amount of time. Unquote. Now, here's why I bring up the subject. Domingo Garcia is president of LULAC. That's the League of United Latin American Citizens. He is suggesting that no women, especially Latinas, should enlist in the army until we have assurances that they will be protected and taken care of when they serve our country, unquote. That is bad advice. It isn't like people like Vanessa Guillen are killed once a month or even once a year. For him to advise Latina, specifically Latina women, not to join the military, the American military, because of this, 
is ridiculous. I suspect that Domingo Garcia is just playing politics and just trying to get his name in the paper. And that is regrettable. The United States Supreme Court has come to our rescue again. It says no to political ads on mobile cell phones. How about that? Those of us who have cell phones, all 95% of Americans, are glad that our phones aren't ringing constantly or we're getting texts constantly from politicians looking for money or for looking for support. I get them from the Trump campaign, and I keep writing unsubscribe, unsubscribe, but they keep coming anyway, and it's annoying. That was a unanimous ruling of the Supreme Court. How many of those have we had lately? And in other words, the lawsuit was brought on by political consultants who said that outline mobile, uh, the uh, mobile calls, the robocalls, uh, was a violation of, uh, of, the, of the constitutional First Amendment that says the government shall make no regulations about freedom of speech. And it said that they were being uh, kept off of phones, off the robocalls, because of politics, which is context. Political operatives can't flood our phones with robocalls like they can landlines. That's why I don't have a landline. I used to get those calls all the time. I, I thank the Supreme Court for protecting us from those people, the locusts of politics. They also made a ruling about the Electoral College. Now, Electoral College is something I support because I think that Rhode Island and Wyoming and Nevada and Idaho should have equal treatment when it comes to voting for a president, which they do. Because these places that I just mentioned, not Nevada, but these places have three, Vermont and places like that have three electoral votes, electoral college votes. And that is not the same as 55 that California gets, yes, but it's better than a pure public vote. So the Supreme Court took a case that several states brought that wanted to curb electors that are selected by the states to cast electoral votes to whoever wins the, usually whoever wins the state in the presidential election. And, uh, but some of these electors on their own they decided that they don't like the guy who won in their state, so they're going to vote for whomever, whomever they want. Well, the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. Whoever carries the state or, in the case of Nebraska and Maine, the congressional district, there they allocate electoral votes by a, a congressional district because the electoral vote total of the state is based on the number of congressional districts plus two for U.S. senators. So Supreme Court said, no, nope, can't do that. No more Mavericks. Somebody carries your state or your congressional district, you got to vote for them. I think that's a good idea because I think the Electoral College, although sometimes, uh, you know, like a couple of times during my lifetime where the candidate has been declared president, even though they didn't carry the popular vote, tough breaks. We're not going to let New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago elect our presidents, in my view. Donald J. Trump, on the White House lawn, the 4th of July weekend, said, and I quote, those that are lying about our history, those who want us to be ashamed of who we are, are not interested in justice, in healing. Their goal is demolition. 
Well, I've got, I looked up some, some uh, words that were used by people in 1860 to declare secession from the United States, including some of the official state statements, which I will have for you here in a, in a second. Uh, some of this comes from a historian named Douglas Egerton, or as it Egerton, E-G-E-R-T-O-N. And I found it quite enlightening. For example, the Charleston Mercury newspaper, the publisher, said after Lincoln was elected November of 1860, within weeks, other slaveholding states would join in the formation of a slave republic to protect their institutions from abolition rule in Washington. Robert Barnwell Rett Sr. said that. Rett, R-H-E-T. Doesn't that sound familiar? Rhett Butler in Gone with the Wind? Hmm. The text of a book in Virginia that was approved for fourth graders in 2010 started, stated that, quote, thousands of Southern blacks fought in the Confederate ranks, unquote. Lie, L-I-E, lie. That was not true. If there were any Confederate, uh, any, any blacks as slaves uh, within 10 miles of a Confederate army group, uh, they were there to shine the boots of their masters who also served as, uh, as officers. The Sons of the Confederacy this last weekend flew a flag that was 20 feet by 30 feet, a Confederate flag over a freeway in North Carolina this 4th of July. 2010, Virginia Governor Robert F. McDowell declared on April 20th, 2010 as Confederate History Month the governor insisted, quote, there were any number of aspects to that conflict between the states, unquote. Another lie. Confederate Vice President Alexander Stevens described the Confederacy as a nation, quote, whose cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, unquote. The Confederate Constitution explicitly protected slavery. When the South declared war and, and secession, enlistments to their new army just, you know, were all over the place. The white men that stepped forth and raised their hand to protect the Confederacy were numerous for a few days. But within weeks, Enlistments just disappeared because white men who owned, who did not own slaves weren't all that thrilled about fighting to protect slavery, which they, didn't, which they had nothing to do with. Only a small percentage, like 20% of uh, white men in the South owned slaves. Now, because enlistments disappeared, the Confederacy passed the very first draft or conscription in North America to fill out their army. But white men who owned more than 20 slaves were exempted from the draft. Confederate President Jefferson Davis said, well, he, he before he said it, let's say he owned over 200 slaves. 
He attributed secession to, and I quote, hostile measures, close parentheses, by the North, close parentheses, quote, for the purpose of rendering insecure our property in slaves. He blamed the whole Civil War and secession on those hostile measures to insecure his own property in slaves. He had over 200 slaves. They were worth $10,000 apiece at the time, which means he had $2 million just in slaves, not counting the land that he owned. That was the president of the Confederate States of America. Is that what President Trump had in mind when he defended the Confederacy, the Confederate flag? Here are some official words from some of the states that seceded Texas in its decision to secede. Its decision to decede was based upon, quote, the unnatural feeling of hostility to these southern states and their beneficent and patriarchal system of African slavery, slavery proclaiming the debasing doctrine of equality of all men, irrespective of race or color, unquote. In Arkansas, a guy named George Smoot, who was an official, said, quote, the Republican Party, unconstitutional dogmas dangerous in their tendency and highly derogatory to the rights of slave states, comma, and among them the insulting, injurious, and untruthful enunciation of the right of the African race of their country to social and political equality with the whites, unquote. Some words from the Virginia secession. Quote, Lincoln's opinions and purposes are hostile to slavery, unquote. Gee, that was big news. Florida, official words from the Florida secession. Quote, at the South and with our people, of course, slavery is the element of all value. And a destruction of that destroys all that is property. Is that what President Trump is, is supporting, standing by, and endorsing? Does Donald Trump even know what happened? I don't think so. Renaming the army bases. Renaming military bases from the names of traitors to that of heroes is coming to a head, and President Trump is losing. Senator Mitch McConnell says he supports renaming as directed by the Senate Defense Bill. Remember, the Armed Services Committee there voted out as, as their uh, defense bill a provision that calls for renaming the Army bases that are named after Confederate generals and to rename them within three years. The House passes a stronger bill of name changing in, they want to do it in one year. The Senate bill wants to do it in three years. Republicans lining up to support renaming it. Mitch McConnell's supporting it. Most of the senators will too. Trump says no way, says he will veto any defense appropriations bill with renaming provisions. Congress could pass a negotiated bill and lay it on Trump's desk in October. Let's see if he has the guts to veto it. I don't think he does. Long as I'm picking on people, how about this guy, Kaepernick? You remember the quarterback from the San Francisco Giants 
who started the kneeling during the national anthem. He calls the 4th of July a celebration of white supremacy, quote, unquote. Black, quote, black people have been dehumanized, brutalized, criminalized, and terrorized by America for centuries. That's true. And are expected to join your commemoration of independence, quote, unquote. While you enslaved our ancestors, we reject your celebration of white supremacy and look forward to liberation for all. Well, Copernic is an idiot. You know, I mean, he's partially right there. I mean, the blacks have been terrorized for 400 years. The first blacks were brought into the United States as slaves in 1619, 2019. Uh, that's 400 years. And that's true. Because after slavery, after the 13th Amendment, and after Abraham Lincoln, yes, the slaves were free, but the white Southerners terrorized them, lynched them by the thousands, killed them, burned their houses, burned their churches, did everything possible to eliminate them, kept them from voting, kept them down, put them in separate but equal schools, and had the law back it up. Well, Gradually, we've been coming away from that. In the past 60 years, a lot has happened. A lot has changed. So Copernic should be celebrating the 4th of July as their Independence Day, too. Because although they were still kept as slaves for another 100 and some odd years after the Declaration of Independence, the people who wrote the Constitution started the process of eliminating slavery by eliminating the importation of slaves and 20 years after the, uh, uh, the uh, Constitution was, uh, was ratified. It started with our founding fathers. Yes, it was slow. Yes, some of them kept slaves. Yes, yes, yes. But Copernic, you're an idiot. The 4th of July is not a celebration of white supremacy. It's a celebration of political independence of human rights that are given only by God and cannot be taken away by a government. Yes, it took a while for the blacks to become free. Yes, it took a while for them to be able to vote. Yes, it took a while for them to serve in an integrated army and an integrated civil service. Yes, yes, yes. It took a while. But all those things were accomplished. Copernic, you're an idiot. National Defense Republicans versus President Donald J. Trump. I am a National Defense Republican. I believe in a strong United States. I believe the United States should be policemen of the world. I don't think we should fight wars like in Afghanistan for 19 years. True. Because I think we should go in there and bomb the crap out of them and eliminate the, the opposition by simply killing them all off as quickly as possible. So we have the issue of Russian bounties paid to Taliban to kill Americans. That, that President Trump calls a hoax. It's a hoax. It's not true. But it is true, and he knows it. It was in his intelligence briefing report. It was in the written form, and he didn't bother to read it. Trump calls it a hoax. Senators know better. Trump is lying. The intelligence reports to the president included this information. Trump didn't read it. And it wasn't verbalized to him because the career intelligence officers know better than to pick on Russia verbally to his face. 
It is said that President Trump gets upset when Russian bad Russian information is given to him. Republican Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania wants all senators briefed, says, quote, if it is concluded that Russia offered bounties to murder American soldiers, a firm American response is required in short order, unquote. I agree. Trump calls the whole thing a hoax. I, I keep repeating that because it deserves repeating. Trump wants Russia back into the G7 the group of seven, the largest economies in the world, from which it was bounced after its invasion of the Crimea and Ukraine proper. No way! In the meanwhile, Vladimir Putin engineered a 270, or pardon me, 207, five constitutional amendments that were put to the people for approval in Russia. Remember, Russia is a small country. It's not a large country. Uh, I think it's about the same size as Mexico population-wise, maybe a little, a little more, and it's losing population. Three-fourths of the Russian electorate voted to allow Vladimir Putin to be president for life until 2036. He will be 84 when he completes that extra six, those extra six-year terms now permitted. It, that amendment that set that up, was just one of 205 constitutional amendments Putin proposed. They all passed. Wow. Nice going, lad. Nice going. In the meanwhile, and probably uh, President Trump doesn't know this is going on, but the United States ship Reagan and the United States ship Nimitz, both nuclear aircraft carriers, I've never been on the Nimitz, but I was on the Reagan for a dinner welcoming the USS Ronald Reagan aircraft carrier to San Diego to be based here. Anyway, the Reagan and the Nimitz are in the South China Sea, and they're doing not war games. They're doing war exercises. The two carriers launch jets, helicopters, prop scout planes, and everything that can fly, and they're filling the air over the South China Sea, which... Chinese communists claim as Chinese territory. In other words, the U.S. is showing up China's military and the Communist Party and their claim to open seas. They're trying to claim that a South Chinese, South, the South China Sea as Chinese territory, while Vietnam and the Philippines also claim it. As Trump is a president that admires the Chinese president, Xi, spells X-I, and that he's an admirer of that president, does he even know that the Navy is down there showing up the Chinese communists and their leader for life, Xi? Does Trump even know? Chinese communists lose face. The U.S. Navy is demonstrating that the U.S. will not turn and run we need to upgrade our relationship with Taiwan. We really should. That would really irritate the Chinese communists. And that's good. Now, let's talk about our final subject today. The United States Marines are changing again. A hundred years ago, a little over a hundred years ago, in 1918, they were sent to France to operate to fight for an American army general named Blackjack Pershing. He used them 
as a unit, as infantry. And in the course of that war, the, the American entry into World War I, the Marines changed from a small uh, branch of the Navy that handled ground activity for the Navy, in, mostly in Asia. Some of it in Central America, started with Haiti and then the Dominican Republic and then Nicaragua. But uh, in 1918, they were used as sheer, pure infantry in France, in particular at the Battle of Belleau Wood. And it was here that the modern U.S. Marine Corps was born. As a unit, they were ordered to attack German emplacements in the Belleau Wood, the forest Belleau Wood. And they did, and they fought for weeks, sometimes without food, sometimes without ammunition, sometimes in the rain, sometimes attacked by German, entire German divisions. And slowly, day by day, they beat the Germans. They beat the Germans. And it wasn't long after that that the Germans sued for peace and the war was over. The Marines single-handedly defeated the Germans like no one else had been able to do in that war that had been going on for four years. I'm using as a source for this article that the U.S. Marines are changing again uh, from uh, the Foreign Policy Magazine article by Tanner Green dated July 6th. You can look it up. Foreign Policy Magazine. I get it every day. And, uh, I, and I read it every day. I am a policy wonk, if you haven't guessed it by now. Anyway, so the Marines, they did this, they performed this miracle at Belleau Wood in France. They won all kinds of honors. In fact, the French have renamed or renamed the Belleau Wood Forest to the Bosque de Marines. Bosque, B-O-S-Q-U-E, de D-U, Marine, M-A-R-I-N-E. That's how vicious, victorious fighters they were. After World War I, they were in the Dominican Republic and Haiti again and in uh, Nicaragua. And in Nicaragua, they developed air-to-ground support. And, of course, Chesty Puller came out of Nicaragua as a second lieutenant. Chesty Puller, who retired as a four-star Marine general, uh, who was the most famous of all, he won five Navy crosses. World War II, well, the, the, that's where they were in the 1920s, and they were there until President Roosevelt uh, pulled them out uh, in the 1930s when he became president. And then they sat around, did not do much. They worked on amphibious landings. They developed a, a whole thing of how to do that. Uh, and then in 1941, they were packed up and they were sent to occupy Iceland and Trinidad down in the, in the Caribbean. Uh, to protect them because the British didn't have troops to protect those places. Uh, they went, and, and here's what's interesting. The Iceland thing is uh, a whole brigade of Marines. They put together several battalions from the east and west coast and sent them to Iceland to take the British soldiers' place. And they were the only American troops that could go there because the Selective Service Act of 1940 prohibited sending draftees or cons conscripts outside of North America, 
How about that? I didn't know that until I researched this. So the Marines were sent to Iceland because they were all volunteers. There were no draftees. Anyway, in 1942, August 7th, they landed on Guadalcanal and started the whole new process of a new Marine Corps. It was different than World War I where they were used on a landmass as infantry. Now they were invading amphibious soldiers and they had developed amphibious landings to a high degree that no one has ever been able to match since. And they fought battles in the Pacific Islands all the way to Okinawa uh, some three years later. And in the process, lost a lot of Marines. But in the process, once Every single victory, every single island they fought in, they won the battle. Even at Tarawa, where 800 of them were killed, the bloodiest day in Marine Corps history at the, up to that point. Then came peacetime. They First, after the World War II was over, the Japanese surrendered, the Marines went to China, and there they, uh, they helped un, uh, uh, disarm uh, Japanese soldiers and sent them home. They were there in China, as you know, for a long time, but they'd been there before. The 4th Marine Regiment were called the China Marines. They were based in San Diego under Joseph Pendleton, Colonel Joseph Pendleton, and half of the regiment would be was stationed in uh, uh, Shanghai, China, before World War II, and half were in San Diego, and they would rotate from there. Then along came the Korean War. Even though President Harry Truman had tried to disband the Marine Corps to wipe it off the face of the earth, Congress wouldn't let him. And guess who came to Truman's rescue when he ordered American troops in three days after on June 28th of 1950 to fight the North Koreans and protect South Korea or help South Korea? Who was there? It wasn't the army. It was the U.S. Marine Corps, 1st Marine Division, stationed at Camp Pendleton, just outside Oceanside, 40 miles north of the city of San Diego. I personally stood on the dock with my policeman father, who was, well, he was uh, working uh, security, uh, but I was there and watching all this. And I watched the elements of the 1st Marine Division load up on ships on July, I'm sorry, June 30th or so, a couple of days after President, Troop ordered, uh, President Trump, uh, uh, Truman ordered them to Korea. I watched them load up, and uh, Channel 8, the local TV station, which was only about a year old at the time, won an Emmy for its live broadcast of the Marines loading up to go fight in Korea. They landed in Korea and immediately, immediately had a landing in um, Incheon in North Korea and cut off the North Koreans, took Seoul back and pushed the North Koreans clear out of uh, South Korean Peninsula. Then on top of it came the Battle of the Chosin Reservoir. 17,000 Marines, the whole 1st Marine Division, was loaded up and made their way into North Korea to a place called the Chosin Reservoir, this monstrous reservoir that had been built by the North Koreans. And there they were to prepare to go to the Yellow River which was the boundary with China. While the Chinese had other ideas, they snuck in literally by coming only at night when uh, they are traveling only at night on foot when the Marine and Navy and Air Force planes were not flying. And they snuck into Korea with the intent of attacking the 1st Marine Division at the Chosin Reservoir and killing them. The Chinese felt 
that their propaganda would overwhelm the United Nations forces and the United States forces if they managed to kill the 1st Marine Division at the Chosen Reservoir. So they sent 100,000 Chinese to totally encircle the 17,000 Marines. Mind you, this was in December. The temperatures were like 30 below zero every night, every night, and would barely reach zero during the day. Well, the Marines didn't take kindly to being surrounded by the Chinese, and they fought their way out in the process, killing something between 30 and 40,000 Chinese. That was the Marine Corps of the Korean War. Lebanon, 1958, I just missed that. It happened the year before I, I was in the Marines. And then, of course, Iraq and Afghanistan. Iraq, 2003. Afghanistan, actually, in 2002. And they've been there ever since. Iraq was famous for the Battle of Fallujah, which may be, which leads me to the subject. Iraq and the Battle of Fallujah may be the last Marine infantry and artillery attack in history. Maybe. Because the Pentagon has directed the Marine Corps, the Pentagon has directed the Marine Corps to develop a new plan for their existence. It will be, the plan will finally be approved by Congress. Now, the 82nd Congress, when they told Trump, or President Truman, I'm sorry, President Truman, to go fly a kite, defined the Marine Corps as, quote, a force most ready when the nation is least ready, unquote. The current Marine leadership has been instructed by the Pentagon to change from counterinsurgency, which they've been doing in Iraq and in Afghanistan, towards what the Department of Defense calls, quote, great power competition, unquote, with Russia and China. China has gotten used to doing whatever it wants. All its neighbors are small and weak. The Philippines, South Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, well, I mean Vietnam, it's not South, Vietnam, and Taiwan. Chinese military has budgeted funds to develop a plan to handle our best asset, the United States Navy. What they've done is created death zones. Say, you take your, uh, your nose and then take your right hand and extend it to, to the right, say at about a 45-degree angle, and take your left hand, touch your nose, and then extend it at 45 degrees out. So you have this zone in front of you, okay? The Chinese are calling them death zones. They have spent billions of dollars to develop anti-access and anti-area denial weaponry that uses range, precision weapons to create death zones. These weapons allow the Chinese Navy, Air Force, and Rocket Force units to blanket hundreds of square miles of Chinese coastline to kill anything, any ships that they don't like, in there. The death zones eliminate the possibilities of trademark marine amphibious landings. Because there you have to have a whole fleet, right? With troop ships. Load them up on, on whatever and uh, land them on the beach. Well, with death zones, the troop ships would be killed before they ever got on station. 
The new planning calls for small marine units that will be stationed on Pacific in Pacific Island redoubts on small islands inside the Chinese death zones. Armed with the same death zone weaponry the Chinese have. We have it too. Then they could engage the Chinese bases, ships, and air bases within minutes. It's called inside force. Yeah, it's a great new concept. The President of the United States would be able to turn Marines loose within minutes. They don't have to go anywhere. They're already there, and they could destroy the Chinese threats the same way the Chinese would destroy our fleet if they, if they were in the death zone. Planning is continuing on how to supply and or evacuate island redoubts if the war isn't over quickly. That's the problem. This enables the Marines to, quote, reverse what China is working on and to, quote, create a mutually contested space in the South or East China Sea if desired to do so, unquote. To retool, and this is where the big change comes, the Marines would have to cut down on artillery, howitzer units, and tanks to direct funds to recruitment and training for smarter Marines for the 20th century, 22nd century war that will, might someday be upon us. The every Marine is a rifleman motto that I served under, or even clerks, cooks, and bakers, and women Marines, well, women Marines weren't uh, uh, considered to be, uh, they weren't allowed to fight then. But everybody else, no matter what your job was, you were a rifleman first. Well, no more. Now we're going to have all these kids that are growing up playing, playing uh, computer games. They're going to be the Marines of the future. Now, this is, the plan is ongoing, and it's being worked on and worked on. Congress, the United States Congress, will be the absolute determiner of how this new plan will function. How will the Marines do it? The Army can't do it. The Army has different missions. They're not ready to fight. Oh, yeah, you read about the President Trump called elements of the 82nd Airborne into Washington, D.C. to handle unarmed, unviolent un uh, protesters. Yeah, but uh, you notice he didn't call the Marines. You notice that? Well, the Marines aren't trained to handle crowds. The Marines are trained to kill them. That's why you don't see Marines at, uh, uh, you know, working for the president on his uh, political chores of keeping protests down in Washington, D.C. Congress will decide. So that means we have to have a very smart Congress. But they were smart before. They retooled the Marine Corps from a massive six divisions in World War II, plus, you know, everything that goes with it, down to, that was 600,000 people. And they whittled it down when I was in, it was 159,000 people. Its chores were limited, yes, but they were very successful at what they did. Remember this. Tom Clancy, the famous author, not dead. I've read everything he ever wrote. I was a big fan. He was on C-SPAN one time for three hours uh, on an author special. And some guy called up and said, why is it you make such a big deal about the Marines? Why, why, why? And obviously the guy was a Navy guy that was upset with Clancy who idolized the Marines. He goes, well... 
Let's put it this way. In the 20th century, there were four revolutions in war making. Number one was the tank armor. The British invented that in World War I. Number two, vertical envelopment, use of helicopters. The Marines invented that during the Korean War. Number three, amphibious landing. Yeah, the Marines developed that. Did we use it well in World War II? Yes. Normandy, for example, that was all concocted by the Marines in the Pacific Ocean, where they had to do amphibious landings to go anywhere. Number four was what was developed in Nicaragua in the 1920s, air to ground support. The United States Air Force, whether it was Army first or then Air Force, has never been good at that. They put, have big, big planes like B-52s and they drop a lot of bombs. Yeah. But they're terrible at ground, supporting ground troops. They probably have killed as many ground troops, American ground troops, by accident as they have killed enemy on purpose. They're just not good at it. The Marines, always good at it. They started it in 1920. So, the old Marine Corps is being changed again. Now, the old Marine Corps was my, my Marine Corps because I was in 1959. I used World War II equipment. I used World War II rifles. I wore World War II hel helmets. I wore World War II boots. I ate World War II meals, <laughs> sea rations, still. In, 19, in the early 60s, we were still eating stuff that was canned and packed in the 1940s for World War II. It changed an awful lot. And no more is every Marine a rifleman. Because there's women Marines now, and they're allowed to fight, not in, uh, in uh, offensive units, in infantry units. Uh, there's still no Marine women uh, infantry officers. Because uh, they can't pass the course, and that requires some physical strength, which women don't can't match men at. In any event, welcome to the new U.S. Marine Corps. From the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. Thank you for being there. We will be back in a few days, and I hope that you will rejoin us at that time, because this is fun to do. I hope you're having as much fun and learning something while you're at it. Thank you for being there. This is Raul Lowry Contreras. This is the Contreras Report and Hispanic Look at the USA. And it is issue 109. Thank you.